and welcome to the latest edition of Nursing Matters with me, Rachel Hollis. I'm the chair of the RCN's Professional Nursing Committee. I'm a children's cancer nurse and I live in North Yorkshire. Welcome back to my co-host and fellow PNC member, Mary Codling, who represents the South East region on the committee. Hello, Mary. It's been a while since you were on the podcast. How are you this week? Hello, Rachel. Yes, yes, it has been a while. Um, yeah, I'm very good, thank you. I can't complain. Just busy at work, I'm sure, like lots of other nurses around the country. But apart from that, all good. Thank you. This week, we're joined by our special guest, Sally Bassett, the chair of the Forum's Chairs Committee at the RCN. She chairs the Nurses in Management and Leadership Forum and is a senior lecturer at Oxford Brookes University, specialising in leadership, professional practice, coaching and mentoring. Hello, Sally. How are you? Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Great to have you here, Sally. Where are you joining us from today? Well, I live in Oxford and like many people, I'm now a, um, a home worker. So I'm actually in my converted bedroom, um, which I share with our elderly cat, who's been somewhat displaced by a lockdown puppy. Yeah, try and picture it. <laughs> Sally, we're going to come on to discuss a bit more about the RCN Professional Forum shortly. But first, I know that as well as being very busy with the forum chairs, with your day job, you're also currently undertaking your professional doctorate. Tell us a bit about the research you're undertaking as part of those studies. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. So I had always wanted to do a PhD, and that is to kind of of study an area of practice in in some detail. But there's senior jobs that I had prior to taking up the senior lecture role really didn't accommodate it and I think that's true for a number of, uh, of nurses how do you get the kind of depth of academic development and do complex and demanding jobs um, so I was delighted when Oxford Books put on a five-year part-time professional doctorate program so that's what I'm doing and I suppose the difference between a doctorate and a PhD is that a doctorate allows you to draw on your work experience you're based very much in practice I'm interested to understand people's perceptions of successful nurse leadership. Nurses are often put into quite challenging positions of of having to make contributions and decisions around kind of the quality finance tension. And often that comes down to the way in which workforce is designed and developed. And I was wanting to know and understand more about how, uh, how those perceptions of successful leadership played out. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm talking to um, lots of people, chief executives, medical directors, those people who work in system jobs, and uh, chief nurses themselves to listen to their stories and hope to make some sort of sense of that and to share that with my uh, professional colleagues at the end of my doctorate. We're going to talk about the RCN forums and, and the role they play in the professional work of the college. But before we do that, I think we need to talk about the run up to RCN Congress this year. Because for some of our members, Congress was going to take place in person in Liverpool. It would have been a hybrid event with voting members and some of the RCN leadership team in the hall and non-voting members joining online. But instead, Congress is going to take place completely online. And the challenges associated with that move and concerns raised by members at the move have led to a decision that the business agenda, the debates that are at the heart of Congress, will no longer go ahead. The plan for Congress this year always included a range of online interactive educational sessions, which will still continue. 
The decision to move Congress totally online was taken by our council as a result of serious allegations of sexual harassment and after taking legal advice. Mary, this has been a really difficult decision for council and for our members. Do you think it was the right thing to do? Yes, I do, Rachel. I absolutely think it was the right thing to do. I mean, member safety is a key priority for the RCN. They've launched an independent confidential helpline to support any members who have been affected by these issues. And that's independent and confidential reporting line. And a full review of all safeguarding policies and procedures is currently underway. And the only thing I'd like to say is, you know, during this time, I think as members of the RCN, you know, we really need to support the RCN as best we can. And I think, Mary, that as well as the confidential reporting line, there is also a confidential advice line, isn't there? So there are two things that people can do and that's really important for our members that if they've got concerns that they want to report, there's a confidential independent way of doing that. If they've had experiences that they need support with, then there is also a a confidential helpline for them, again, independent um, and The information about both of those is on the RCN website. And I think it's really important that we make sure members are are aware of that. So I think we should really recognise the bravery of those who've come forward to report and to raise these issues, because that must have been a really hard and a courageous thing to do. And I also want to acknowledge the leadership shown by our General Secretary, Pat Cullen, and by our Chair of Council, Carol Popperstone, in, in hearing and responding to those voices. Our council and our general secretary have uh, announced an independent inquiry led by Bruce Carr QC into the organisational culture of the college, which is to address a a list of concerns, including decision making and accountability, financial management and the way that the departure of some senior staff and elected members has been handled, as well as those serious allegations of sexual harassment. Sally, this feels like a really pivotal moment for the college. How important is it, you think, that we should address this list of issues? Obviously, it's absolutely critical. There's no there's no real debate about that. But uh, I think before I say a little bit more, I'd just like to acknowledge the experience that staff might be having at the moment uh, for those, those people who are working within the college. This must be quite an uncomfortable place, an organisation that they they have pride in and are committed to is obviously under deep scrutiny and, and that, that that must be uncomfortable. So I think uh, certainly you know, my foreign colleagues, when we've discussed this, really want to extend our support to the staff, although we might have a range of views about the way in which the college itself functions. So yes, this is absolutely critical. Uh, and we've reached a tipping point. We have absolutely reached that tipping point where a fundamental look at the way in which the college functions, the way it serves its membership, the way it fulfills its both its trade union and its professional charter obligations has to be looked at. We're not talking about retaining confidence anymore. We're now looking at recovering confidence, not only of members, but of our partners, our colleagues, the policy uh, policymakers and politicians. Interestingly, we as a as a forum, we were putting forward a, a debate around who's leading nursing. Now, obviously, we're not going to be able to have that debate but actually I think we need to find a way to have that conversation with members about what the leadership of the college needs to be doing in this very complex and modern world that we're living in. Um, So absolutely critical and I think there's probably still a bit more for them to do to be able to retain the confidence of members that this uh, this is resolvable. 
I know that Mr. Carr himself, the QC who's leading this inquiry, is keen to talk privately, confidentially to any members and to RCN staff who have issues that are relevant to the inquiry that they want to discuss. And more information about that and a a secure email address are um, on the RCN website for people to use. And Sally, I wonder how we as leaders within the college can encourage our fellow members to come forward and take part in that review. One of the challenges we have, of course, is connecting with our wider membership. We have obviously, you know, uh, active uh, members within the forum network. And I'm bound to say, aren't I, that I think that is a a starting place for us to be able to reach out into the communities that we're connected to and uh, to think about how we might be able to feedback what will feel like anecdote, but it is people's lived experience, you know, kind of that qualitative engagement of you know what's it like for you what do you think what do you need Mm. why does it work that way why does it feel that way how would you like it to feel what do you want it to think you know that's that's stuff that actually nurses are really good at and I think we probably ought to trust the way in which we work and that we trust in getting that feedback back into the system I'm I suppose a little hesitant cautious about how many people will engage with a formal email address with a with a with a formal mm. a formal structure so absolutely we have to recognize that you know nursing is in a, a very very broad church it's reflective mm. also that you know of, of society and there's going to be a spectrum of what members want by way of engagement by way of collaboration and um, i don't think there's anything wrong with accepting that spectrum but um we do need to find ways in which to, to know which groups along that spectrum and what it is that they what what it is they want uh, what it is that they can give and to perhaps acknowledge that you know, the active part of our membership may not be as as big as we would want it to be and so let's think about how we grow that but to accept that those people who are active you know contribution matters and is valid We've already referred a couple of times to forum members and forum chairs, but let's go back to basics here. Sally, what or or who are the RCN professional forums? The way in which the college is organised, I know people know this, but just to kind of make it kind of clear, I suppose, for the context of this answer, quite a lot of the visibility of the college might be through people's employment um, and, and the way that they come into contact, for example, with uh, their safety reps or their learning reps or their branch structure or the regional structure or what comes through the email or their letterbox. And that's a really important part of the construction. It might be the one that people are most familiar with. Um, there is, of course, as you say, the, the forum structure as well. And that's not connected to people's workplace, but it is related to people's preferences and specialisms of the areas of nursing that they're most interested in and we kind of come together over an area of interest so if I've got an interest in in bladder and bowel I've got an interest in infertility nursing or I've got an interest in management and leadership Um, so it's about sharing practice asking questions getting support and um, opportunities to kind of learn from each other and we work on an annual basis and we have the opportunity to bid for funds to support project work as well as to contribute to policy debate through consultation 
consultations. And of course, um, a, a really important part of that is, is, is our contribution to Congress, both through our contributions to um, any educational events uh, that were formerly known as Fringe, um, or through the debates and matters for discussion, which is a really important part of connecting what people are experiencing out in practice, their professional views, and a way in which um, to influence the, the the work of the college. You started off by saying you, th- you know that people know about the forums. Actually, I'd, I think there are quite a lot of people who don't really know about the work of the forums. So, so I wonder if you can just tell us a bit more about your own forum and, and your work, so the Nurses in Management and Leadership Forum. Absolutely. So some forums have a really obvious focus. So ophthalmic, for example, uh, care of the elderly, where your kind of clinical group is sort of bounded. There are a number of forums that you could probably describe as cross-cutting. That is, it's, you know, that their, their area of interest is relevant to all forums, um, management and leadership being one, the research society being another, the, the education forum, and, e- and even e- e-health is relevant to all areas of practice. So for the management and leadership forum, um, we obviously uh, are, are keen to work with all forums because leadership and management is, is every nurse's uh, business. But the areas in which we focus our two uh, areas of work would be really around emergent leaders and, and emergent management skills. And leadership isn't necessarily about a job title. So an emergent leader might be somebody who's been in a role for some time, but is kind of awakening to the opportunity that influencing and using their voice can have. So we we try to focus on supporting emergent leaders. And the other focus of our work is very much around the inclusion, diversity, equality agenda. And we've done quite a lot of work trying to explore those areas. And we've just published a series of articles actually in the bulletin uh, around what does good leadership look like? What does not so good leadership look like? You know, what are the stresses and pressures? Can students be leaders? Uh, So we've just published a, a series of articles of easy to access information. Sally, I was just going to, you know, that's really interesting. I think one of the things I was just going to ask is if you could give us a, you know, a particular example of the work of a forum and how it sort of influenced the professional work of the RCN. Thanks. Thanks, Maria. It's it's, it's great to have an opportunity actually to talk about the, the very diverse work of all the forums. So I've said a little bit about my own forum, but if I think about uh, some of the other forums, so for example, the um, the education forum, a major uh, part of their work is to put on the education conference. Um, and that is a phenomenally successful piece of work that they do. And it takes, uh, obviously, that committee just about the uh, kind of whole year to bring to bring that about. And that provides uh, an opportunity for a number of us as, as uh, forum uh, members to be able to contribute to that. And my own forum did that, uh, did that last year. The Education Forum are also heavily involved in the new education and leadership strategy. So, again, they're drawing on their expertise. Um, many of them, of course, are con- directly connected to uh, our student population um, because that's their day job as it were and the same with the research society a phenomenally successful conference that they host and um, again they they have been uh, heavily involved in helping to define and develop the research uh, strategy if I think about one of the small forums because we have a whole spectrum the infertility forum quite quite small I think they probably have around about um, 
around about 600 members compared to, say, the Mental Health Forum that uh, has well up into the 13,500, maybe maybe even more members. But they make a significant contribution on the national stage um, and they are the go-to place for expertise around infertility nursing practice. And they work with the other Royal Colleges. They've produced um, the uh, national guidance. And so being small doesn't mean that you can't make a significant contribution to to patient care. I hope that gives a bit of a flavour of the different things that we that we can do. You've written in a recent blog about forum members as professional practice activists. What what do you mean by that? Gosh, yes. Well, many nurses are quite uncomfortable about politics and quite uncomfortable in activism and and don't necessarily associate their profession with those things and of course you know party politics let's not pretend otherwise can be can be quite messy Uh, and not everybody is interested in the employment act it's absolutely essential but it's not everybody's everybody's bag or cup of tea but every nurse, I, can't, I don't think I've ever met a nurse or a healthcare assistant or a nursing associate who hasn't said that they have come in to provide uh, care to people because they want to make a difference. Everybody says that they want to make a difference. And the only way we can make a difference is if we do our day job well and we find ways in which to improve our day job and find ways in which to provide care in a better way. Uh, and that, of course, goes to the heart of our, our, our professional code as well. So if we think about activism as being conscious about making things better, about the way that we spot opportunities to make patient flow better, to advocate better, to um, take some of the barriers away, then that is being active. And I think I probably sort of became a bit more comfortable with this idea of being politically active when I un- came to understand that politics in its, I suppose, purest definition is really about decisions around how to use scarce resource. There's a limit of what's available, both in terms of time and money and expertise. And politics is really about making a decision on how we use that time um, and how we use that expertise. And of course, again, that's something that nurses do every day, you know, when they're planning a shift, when they're working out what the skill mix is going to be, when they're prioritising which patients get which piece of care first, we are making decisions about how to allocate resources. So once I became comfortable with that's what politics really means. And party politics is an important part of that because we're electing a government to make a decision about how to how to allocate our, our country's resources. Once I got my head around that, actually, it's really about making decisions about how to provide the best care possible. I felt comfortable with owning the title of being professional activist because like many, I want to make a difference. I want to do the best that I can do and I want to be the best that I can be and that's really what the college is about and it's certainly what the forums are about. Absolutely agree Sally and I I think that in fact there was an interesting article just this week in the BMJ on medical activism did talk about nurses as well but it was a really interesting article and cited Don Berwick in calling on doctors, nurses and our professional organisations to become more involved in, in campaigning on you know not just the issues that you've talked about, Sally, which are critical in terms of how care is provided, but also those wider issues such as racial discrimination, such as women's equality, human rights, climate change, hunger, homelessness. These are all issues 
which matters so much to nurses, to our to our CN members, and so of course to our forums. And do you think there's a way that we can strengthen the voice of the RCN in these areas? And where do forums fit into that? I'm going to obviously uh, agree with you. And we do deal with those issues every day. You know, respiratory mm. nurses will be involved on a daily basis with uh, air quality. And you know, my own forum, the Nurses Management Leadership Forum, we supported a debate at uh, Congress a couple of years ago about knife crime and youth violence. Uh, and I know I said there then that that is everybody's business. You might not think about it as a nurse, but as a member of society, as a member of community, we can't help but notice about whether we feel safe walking down the road or not. So I think one of the things that leaders need to be able to do is to help make sense of the world and to connect the people's why, why they get out of bed in the morning, why they're a nurse, why they work even under really difficult circumstances to do their very their very best. So people's why is incredibly important. And then helping them understand how that connects to the very many complex things that are happening in the world and simplifying that. And I don't mean simplifying the sense because they're not able to understand it but you know some of it can be so complex you just need to know maybe what's the one thing you can do or the two things that you could do or where can you best focus your efforts Sally this week you brought to our meeting of the professional nursing committee a report from a cross-forum project on clinical supervision can you tell us a bit more about this project why it matters and and why you brought it to PNC Absolutely. Delighted to do that. So right back at the beginning of COVID, one of the things that the forums were able to do is to change the way in which they were working. You know, all of us were kind of forced on online, weren't we? But that had an absolute benefit for us. It meant that we could meet much more regularly rather than just the face to face meetings. And what that actually enabled us to do was to be very responsive to feeding intelligence into the into the college uh, so that the college's uh, support uh, around the COVID situation could be personalised and, uh, and appropriate and met people's needs. But one of the other things it did was to help us build up a sense of community of practice between ourselves. And it became really clear that workforce support was something that was absolutely going to be needed. And we were concerned and from our various different areas of practice about the low level of focus that clinical supervision was having now that has actually changed over the last uh, over the last 18 months but right at the beginning it didn't have much focus and we agreed that we wanted to come together to do something about that we knew that we needed to start from an evidence base and so the first thing that we did was to um, ask for funding to conduct a literature review into the uh, into the evidence base all of us very conscious that clinical supervision is something that's been around for a very long time, but has really struggled to get systematic and systemic traction across the whole profession uh, and across all, all countries. So in doing that uh, literature review, we were able to use our funding to secure specialist research time. Uh, and what we were able to bring to PNC this week was the high-level findings of that literature review and to share some of those insights and to start thinking about what now, what next. And if I suppose if I was to say one more thing about that is that we have probably taken an approach where a sense of, and I'll use the word simple again, and I don't mean to say that it is simple, but simple problems we tend to think can respond to clear and concise protocols. If you do this, 
if you do A and you do B, you'll get C. Um, sometimes we think that life is complicated. We know the situation is complicated, so we need much more complicated algorithms. But we still know or believe that there is a, if you do A, B, C, D and E, you'll get X outcome. What we probably haven't done in clinical supervision is to fully acknowledge the complexity of people's workplaces, of the different environments, of the different countries, of the different cultures. We haven't fully acknowledged that complexity. Uh, and I think probably some of the insights that, the, that we uh, have found from doing that work is to also, and this is difficult for me to say, is perhaps an assumption that because we're a caring profession, we care about each other in the way that you assume clinical supervision does for you and actually sometimes you know the reality is that we don't care for each other very well and often we don't take care of ourselves very well and so what I hope this piece of work will lead us to is to start thinking by working with some of our other partners as well about how we can address some of those issues and that we can use the evidence base to have a much more fundamental conversation about the way in which nursing uses critical reflective practice, which is essentially what uh, clinical supervision is, to ensure that we provide safe patient care. Because and I was at the expert reference group only yesterday, two of the uh, patients who, who were there very clearly said, look, we just expect you to do this. It, it hadn't really occurred to us that you wouldn't be taking care of yourselves, that you wouldn't be reflecting on your practice and thinking about how to make it better. Uh, please do do that because that's what keeps us safe. I think on that note, Sally, you know, talking about clinical supervision, you know, obviously lots of people confound managerial and professional um, supervision with clinical supervision and reflective practice. And we can't assume that all nurses, you know, and care workers experience that clinical supervision. So given what you said, do you think it's time that we rebranded clinical supervision, or maybe reclaim it, come up with a new model? That's a really good question, particularly given what I've just said about the, the complexity of it. Now, there is strong emotional attachment to clinical supervision. And for those people for whom it works, it really works. And I imagine there would probably be some resistance to wanting to, to change that. But for those that is not working, uh, and that is many people, and we need to acknowledge that, then there is uh, it's clearly something needs to happen. So I think there's a fundamental conversation that we need to have about kind of the... Uh, not many sounding uh, too complicated, but a kind of the philosophical rationale, if you like, for why we do this. Um, and then to think about how we might best advance from where we are. We've had a 30-year hiatus of progressing clinical supervision. So definitely reclaiming it, definitely focusing on advancing it and perhaps even making it uh, something that we pull into our practice rather than it being a sense of being pushed on us. We might have a, a slightly harder task on our hand in disassociating it from a, a term that is much revered. We've certainly often talked on the podcast about, you know, nursing as being a safety critical profession. And I think from what you're saying that clinical supervision is a way of actually supporting that patient safety through the development of critical thinking. Is that something you can say a bit more about? It's interesting, isn't it, that many other professions have a taken for granted built-in approach to their learning and development and that uh, it's unlikely that you're going to find any counsellor or 
psychiatrist practicing without thinking about how they're practicing and the impact of that practice on on, on on their patients. So I think we have to think about what do we mean when we talk about nursing and there is something that we absolutely struggle at times to be able to, to be able to articulate. Nursing, a significant part of nursing is thinking and problem solving. Obviously there's a there's a lot of emotional care that takes place and obviously physical care as well. And a lot of organizational care and function takes place we've seen all four of those things come together in the pandemic our narrative however you know the way in which we talk about nursing and the way in which others talk about nursing often doesn't draw out the complexity or the intellectual capability that we all need to be able to practice all of those things uh, simultaneously and to do that safely So one of the things that we need to think about is, you know, what does modern nursing require? What does therapeutic care require? And how do we understand, explain and demonstrate the impact of that care? And whether you're a healthcare assistant, a nursing associate, doctor, physio uh, manager, one of the things that we should be able to do is to be able to talk about what that nursing impact actually is. And I do think that is a leadership challenge that we have. But one of the things we absolutely can't deny in all of those things that I've just talked about is that to be good at it and to get better at it and to keep patients safe is that we have to think about it and we have to learn from it and that we use that information to continuously get better and to do what patients expect, which is to keep them safe. we've come to the end of the podcast we'll be back in two weeks and we'd love to know what you would like us to talk about tell us what you're interested in or concerned about in the world of nursing by tweeting us at the rcn with the hashtag nursing matters so thanks to our special guest sally bassett thank you sally thank you rachel but just to say let's let's try and really keep the faith let's keep advocating and let's keep focused on the future because they need us and we need it. Thank you, Sally. And I absolutely agree. And these are pretty grim times, but I, I think that from them, the RCN can come out stronger. So thank you. And, and with people like yourself um, leading the forums, the work of the forums, I think all of that contributes to what we can do to support both our profession, our members and the health and care services that are critical to the country. Thank you for inviting me today. Thank you, Mary, for co-hosting. And thank you, Rachel. It was a very interesting session um, and a big thank you to Sally. I'm really looking forward to the future developments of clinical supervision and also thank you for finding out more about the forums um, and hopefully, you know, for members that will be so useful and influential. Thank you. Tell us what you're interested in or concerned about in the world of nursing by tweeting us at the RCN with the hashtag Nursing Matters. We'll do our best to cover them in future episodes of the podcast. Remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got time, give us a nice positive review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to spread the word about Nursing Matters. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.